This is the NRL.com Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to episode one of the NRL Fantasy Podcast. I'm Andrew Bryan, deputy editor of NRL.com. I'm joined in studio by our fantasy experts, Chris Kennedy and Adrian McMurray. Boys, footy is back. Nines, all-stars, trials, World Club Challenge coming up. How good is it to finally have the footy back? Yeah, I'm pumped to be here right on the cusp of it now. The trials are well underway. We've got the nines behind us and uh, Tuesday team lists are very, very close. That's it. And the team list for the trials rolling in as well. I don't know about you guys, but that, that gets me a bit excited this early in the season <laughs> as well. So I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> so in this episode, we'll be doing a bit of a preview, who the fans should pick in their teams in the forwards and the hooker role in particular. We'll also give a quick look over what's happened so far in footy and throw forward to the week ahead. So let's get straight into it. The latest in league. Biggest talking points. The Roosters were the surprise winners of the Auckland Nines, but to me, the biggest talking point out of that whole weekend was James Tamo. Scored two great tries, looked really fit at his new club. What do you think about his chances of being a gun in fantasy this year? Yeah, well, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a massive James Tamo fan, and those who've been playing fantasy with us for a while, cast your mind back before he even broke into the uh, the Origin and Test teams. He was sort of just coming up as a, a rangy prop at North Queensland. He was just an absolute points machine. He was breaking tackles, scoring tries, offloading at will, and I think he could be getting back to that sort of form. He's going to be a huge plank in the Penrith pack this year. They've got some relatively inexperienced props, thinking about guys like Regan Campbell-Gillard and uh, James Fisher-Harrison, the, the back row, these sort of guys. So he's definitely going to be a leader. I think a bit like Trent Merrin last year, so he's definitely one to watch out for uh, come round one. Yeah, look, he certainly has the potential to improve on his points from last year. I'm concerned about his minutes, though, uh, whether he, you know, there's so many stars in that pack, whether he's going to get more than the sort of 45 who was playing at the Cows. But if he does, look, he's, he's one to keep an eye on. You know, it could be a great move for Tamo and the Panthers. The other big news out of the Auckland Nines at Eden Park was the injury to Aaron Gray. Obviously a big casualty for the Rabbitohs. Uh, out for two months, what does that mean for the Rabbitohs' back line? Yeah, their back line's uh, lost a couple of players. It's looking a little bit skinny, but that's great for fantasy coaches. It always opens up a few rookies to come in. Um, I was actually at their trial game the other night against Manly, and a guy who was playing uh, in the centres who looked really good, he scored one try and set up one other. Uh, he got a little bit of a taste of NRL last year, is Sifa Talakai. Um, now, I think he lands at about 173 grand, so he's definitely one to watch out for if he does, in fact, nab that starting centre spot come round one. It looks like he's the front runner at the moment. Robert Jennings, the other one, who uh, could come into contention at some point during the season. But, yeah, it does look like Talakai's got the, the run on that spot at the moment. Anything else from Nines really stand out other than Connor Watson sort of stole the show, but he's behind the packing order at the Roosters? Yeah, Connor Watson, brilliant. I still think he's probably looking at a bench spot, which is a massive no-no for fantasy coaches with Kiri set to start. Um, I quite like the look of the two Eels props, Nathan Brown and uh, Sui Matangi. Matangi's only really been getting sort of 20-odd minutes the last couple of years, so he does come quite cheap. He would need a big increase in minutes to be worth uh, even looking at fantasy-wise. Nathan Brown, already very expensive because he was getting decent minutes in the Rabbitohs uh, pack last year and getting plenty of tackle breaks. There was one interesting set I wanted to mention, actually, where he uh, he got into dummy half for the Eels with their, uh, their front-line hookers off the field, and he, he serviced from dummy half for five consecutive plays, and then he finished the set-off by grubbering through and scoring a try himself. So uh, a few ball skills around for Nathan Brown there, so uh, could be adding some attacking stats onto his, uh, his base stats this year. We'll go straight into the All-Stars. Obviously, the things we know, Thurston is a freak, looks really good, set up a lot of tries, set up their big win. Um, Inglis looked amazing, that big length of field break. It's great to see Greg Inglis back. He always says that his knee doesn't trouble him, but obviously there's a bit of trouble there in that knee. He looks fully fit and could be a gun at the back. But I guess the big news was Jared Croker, which looked really bad, but maybe the news isn't as bad as we thought. 
Mm. Yeah, you mentioned Inglis. I'm not sure I've seen Tepai Moreau fended off that brutally uh, at any time in his NRL <laughs> career. So Inglis uh, definitely uh, looks like he's fit and dangerous this year, knee notwithstanding. Um, Jared Croker, that potentially opens up a spot for a rookie like Nick Kotrick, depending on what Ricky Stewart wants to do with his back line there. So six weeks, probably enough time for fantasy coaches to make a little bit of money on a rookie if that happens. Uh, and for me, Paul Vaughan for the All-Stars is probably their best player in what was a pretty dour night. Um, Dragons could certainly benefit from his work rate this year. Yeah, back on the Raiders' centre spot, I think Jordan Turner as well is a, a real contender to, to nab that spot for round one, an experienced player coming over from the Super League. He won't come cheap, though, about 220 in fantasy, but, look, if he does uh, get a look in, you never know. Could be worse options. So Jared Croker's four to six weeks, so he'll probably miss the first few rounds, but he's expected back. But we'll go straight into the trials. Let's keep it going. Robbie Farrow was a surprise debut uh, in that game you mentioned. You were there, CK. What else have you found from that game? Yeah, Robbie Farrow, a little bit of an understated performance. He did have some nice of those, you know, scoop up and run sort of plays that he does from dummy half that were uh, a little bit missing last year under Jason Taylor's game plan. I think we'll see those back. Um, potentially a fantasy option if he ends up as the sole hooker, but at the moment with uh, Damien Cook around, he's a, a little bit of a danger sign for me. Um, George Burgess, I thought, was the real fantasy standout from that game. I think we all know George Burgess uh, well down on his fantasy output last year as he battled a series of injuries, uh, groin and hip and hernia and all sorts of things. Um, if he's back to full fitness, and uh, we all remember what he did when he broke into the scene, we just tackle breaks and tries galore on top of his base stats and uh, probably the best player on the field in the 2014 grand final win. Dylan Walker also was wonderful. He, uh, he set up one try quite early on, the first try of the night, and uh, that blistering pace was on show when he uh, he burned a few defenders to score early in the second half. Um, Matt Wright and Happy Coruscant weren't playing that game, so Dylan Walker had the kicking duties, kicked three from four, including two from touch. No guarantees he'll get that come round one, but if if he's, uh, if he's playing well in the centres and kicking goals, then he's definitely an option in the centres for fantasy coaches. I wouldn't touch him myself personally at this stage, even if he is kicking goals. Uh, at that price, uh, you know, still unknown. 317000 is a fair price in that position. Exactly, yeah. And we don't know whether he's going to return to his best. If he does, fantastic. Bit of a risk, but I wouldn't be spending that sort of cash in my centres at this stage. All right, let's keep going. The big talking point out of the Storm Warriors was Roger Tuivasa-Shek is back, two hundred eighty-six thousand. So he's not cheap, but he's not expensive either. Set up a try, had a try assist in the first forty minutes before being rested, and then Brody Croft for the Storm. Obviously, he starred in the in the nines, two hundred thirty-six grand. And if Billy Slater isn't right for round one, Brody Croft looks like he'll get the spot in the halves. It's interesting to note what the Storm have done with their trial team for this weekend naming young Tonema Pia at the back and keeping Munster in the halves at this stage. So whether Croft does get a look in, uh, you know, whether they want to sort of play two sort of uh, halfbacks, I guess you'd say, in the halves, we don't know what Craig Bellamy's thinking at this stage. But look, Croft, not cheap, especially for a rookie, had that great game in his debut last year. But look, one to monitor. RTS, though, look, we've all got to have him, I think. You're locking him in. Locking him in at the back already. Absolutely. I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you don't have him. Uh, Roger Tuovasacek, he's got 100, maybe 200 grand worth of price rises if he gets back to his best form, and it's just too much to be missing out on, given that he is a proven fantasy gun of years past. Well, there's not much more news from the trials other than the, the halves watch at the Dragons. Josh McCrone and Dry Field in a battle for that position to partner with it. McCrone's 276,000, Dry Field 138. So if Field gets the nod, obviously he starred in the nines as well. 
he could be a really good cash cow. Yeah, as a fantasy coach, I think we'd all love to see Jai Field start round one. And even though Paul McGregor does keep saying he's not that fussed about size and experience, he's more interested in talent, I really think that the um, the more reliable, tried and true efforts of, uh, of Josh McCrone are probably going to see him start uh, from round one. But definitely a chance for, uh, for Jai Field and or Sean Nona at some point during the season, so definitely one to watch. Yeah, I do think uh, he's sort of, well, at this stage, it sounds like he's more leaning to playing field later on in the year. I mean, they were going to play Hutchison in the halves, and uh, he's sort of, what, 100 kilos plus or something ridiculous, as opposed to field, who's a, a much smaller body. But uh, look, I think Macron's probably going to get the nod at this stage. That's where they're leaning. And uh, field could be a good option uh, mid-year, a good pickup. All right, let's get into the most important part of the show, the position guide. We're going to break down the hookers, front row, second front row as well. Uh, let's start off with the hookers. The five most picked players so far in fantasy are Cam Smith at 631000 Cameron King as a cheapie at 138000 Manaya Charrington, Matt Ballon, Nathan Peets. So they're the players that the fans are looking at at the moment. Let's start with Cam Smith. He's the most expensive player in NRL fantasy, $631,000. Adrian, can you afford to buy him? Can you afford not to buy him? I can't believe that there are seriously people out there considering not starting with him. What are they thinking? Seriously, you've got a blank canvas. You pick Cameron Smith. You build your team around him. It's as simple as that. I don't know why people are even considering other options. Yeah, I don't know. With a salary cap as tight as it is, there's a few guys there who are you know, $200,000 cheaper than Cameron Smith who are probably going to be good options and probably make a bit of money. Clearly, you want Cam Smith for the run home. Um, he's going to be a little bit quiet during Origins. He always is. Can you afford to get through to sort of the, the Origin period with other guys in there? Look, Nathan Peets could be the sole hooker, depending on what they do with Tyrone Roberts. Um, Apisai Coruscant, only 374. If they don't end up using Jackson Hastings as a bench hooker, he could make a lot of money and be reliable. Um, you know, even Cam McKinnon. He's, what, 100, 160 k cheaper than Cameron Smith. He's going to be the lone hooker at the Dragons and, and make a lot of tackles. Um, there's quite a few options there, and hooker's always just been such a vexed position for fantasy coaches. The player you didn't mention, who was an absolute surprise superstar, but in hindsight, probably not that much of a surprise, Jake Friend, been a good player for a long time, but really took ownership of that Roosters team at the start of the year. Obviously, they had their issues, and he came out of the gates and was a superstar. He's almost $100,000 less than Cameron Smith. He's $559,000. Why not just put him instead of Cam Smith? Yeah, he's basically, the, I guess, the same player, only just a, a level down. He had a few really big games last year up around the 100-point mark. Um, he's going to be playing 80-odd minutes. He's going to be making heaps of tackles. I'm just worried about he had a real spike last year when he's getting attacking stats when Mitch Pearce was out. But with, uh, with two attacking halves controlling everything, I'm worried that he's just going to be a tackle machine and probably not hit those same averages that he hit last year. And also the presence of Connor Watson on that bench could take a few minutes off friends. So, mm. you know, one to monitor that situation. All right, the second most popular player picked at the moment is Cameron King. Do you think that people are just putting a cheap in this role as you've only got two slots for hooker? Or do you think that maybe as an Eels hooker, he might get the start. Mm, Cameron King's a good player. I just don't think he's close enough to the um, the top of the pecking order at the moment. We've seen Isaac DeGoyce sort of be first cab off the ranks since Nathan Peets departed, and then Kayser Pritchard's been the next guy um, taking the, the bench hooking role and, and starting when Isaac's unavailable. Um, Cameron King's a great player. Um, I do see an NRL future for him, but whether Brad Arthur sees that as being uh, starting for the Eels in 2017 is another question. You do see this a little bit at this stage of the fantasy season where uh, cheapy becomes popular and then as players are picking their team they're seeing guys that are picked in a heap of other teams and it sort of snowballs from there so it could be the, the case here with Cameron King 
who knows what role he's going to play at Parramatta this season. The other cheapie that everyone's high on is Manaya Charrington. Obviously, there's a hole in Cronulla now that Mick Annis is gone. He's won 43,000. World Club Challenge might help us solve this issue. It comes up Monday morning. What about Manaya Charrington? If he gets the start, obviously, he's fighting with Mortimer and Jaden Braley. What do you think, McMurray? There are so many unknowns around the Cronulla team, especially fullback and hooker here. Braley, it looks like, is in the uh, in contention for a bench spot. Charrington really isn't even in much of the conversation at the moment, which is uh, bizarre, seeing as they brought him across from the Tigers to fill that role. So I'd be I'd be very wary about Charrington at this stage. It's a curious one. Clearly the Sharks are keen on James Seguiaro, but uh, with Leeds setting up, they're going to play hardball and slap a transfer fee on him and, and chase it through the courts. I really don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon, um, which does leave those other three guys. Jaden Braley, probably a little bit too inexperienced to start the season. It doesn't sound like Morton has been setting the world on fire in the preseason so far, so we could actually end up with Charrington starting and then playing sort of 50-odd minutes per game. And at his cheap price tag, that's probably enough to make some uh, some pretty good coin. All right, you mentioned him at the top of the show. You mentioned watching him and he, he got through a bit of work. But Robbie Farrar, 435,000. He's been a fantasy gun for a long time. He's at a new club, but he's battling Damien Cook, who says he's not giving up that number nine lightly. Yeah, it's a pretty simple one for me. If Robbie Farrar starts round one with no Cook on the bench, I'll probably get him. Uh, if Cook's around anywhere in that 17 come round one, I don't think I can justify 435k on Robbie Farrar. I'd be wary even if Farrar was named the lone hooker in the side. Cook could come in at any time. Uh, we've seen Maguire mix things up in the past with South, so the round one teams might tell us something, but it could change in a matter of weeks, especially if South don't start the season too well. All right, let's look at a couple of the mid-range just quickly. You've got Isaac Luke, Josh Hodgson, Andrew McCulloch, all around that mid-430 to 450 range. Which of those three do you take, or do you take none of them? Yeah, they're all very similar players, very similar sort of output fantasy-wise. And they're all guys that you'd probably be looking at if you just really can't scrape together enough money to start with Cameron Smith and you want someone who's going to get those 45, 50 points a week um, as your, your starting hooker, but probably not someone you want a captain, whereas obviously Cam Smith, if he's in your team, he's probably the captain. Hodgson probably would be the only one there I'd be considering, especially given uh, the injury to Kurt Baptiste and the other injury to Jared Croker, seeing Jordan Turner potentially move into the starting side. Uh, Hodgson could continue to, to smash out 80 minutes there at hooker, so he'd be the only one for me. Yeah, McCulloch I'm a little bit worried about with some of their bench utilities and you know the Nicaremas of the world and that sort of thing. I'd, uh, I'd be steering clear of McCulloch. Let's put a bow on the, the hooker role. Uh, obviously, you've only got two spots, so it's a crucial position. You want to put a superstar in there. We alluded to Cam Smith. But what are the other options in fantasy? Which way are you boys leaning in your teams? Are you going Cam Smith? Are you going two guns in that position to start with? Or are you looking to make a bit of money? At this stage, I am leaning towards starting with two guns. In the past, I've always gone with Smith and a rookie. But at this stage, Smith and McInnes is how I'm shaping up for round one. I'll definitely be a gun and a rookie, A, because the salary cap's so tight and I'm having so much trouble just trying to squeeze a, a viable 25 together with everyone that's going to probably play round one. And uh, and B, I think there are probably, once we see the round one teams, whether it's a Charrington or even a Matt Ballon we didn't really talk about, but he's quite cheap if he starts at 200-odd thousand. He's at risk at missing round one. There's, there's a bit of trouble in Tiger Town. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, Tiger's uh, got a few issues with their number nines. But I just think once we see the round one teams, there's going to be someone available to hooker under 200k who's going to be a decent option to make some money so I'm going to be going probably Cam Smith with a, uh, a cheapie at the second roll. So not a risky option though you might get stuck with a cheapie it's happened before where the cheapie doesn't perform and all of a sudden you can't get that second gun into your team. 
yeah, it has happened before. I think it's a risk you've got to take. It's um, it's also a risk having that much money tied up in uh, in one spot at the pointy end of the team as well. It sort of compromises the rest of the team. So for me, one one gun and one rookie is the way to go. But I guess we'll see once the round one teams come out. Let's go straight into the front row now. I'm going to run through the five most popular players in NRL Fantasy so far. George Burgess, Jesse Bromwich, Brock Gray, Jared Wallace, Josh Maguire. Boys, there's a bit of a mix there from the guns to the cheapies. Yeah, there is. Uh, George Burgess is looking like a fantastic pick for round one. CKU uh, saw him in action and uh, you know he, he seems to be tracking very well ahead of... Uh, what should be a big season. Yeah, we covered him off in the, the trial bit at the top, but yeah, if he's back to full fitness and we saw how destructive he was when he first came into first grade, he's, uh, he's well underpriced if he can get back to that sort of output. He struggled last year, as you, as you mentioned, but do you think he can put that behind him? Obviously, South overall had a pretty tough year this last year, but this year they're looking a bit better. Yeah, really, George Berger should only really be coming into the time of his career where he's most effective as a, a front rower. Um, obviously, that he just exploded out of the blocks when he first came into grey, but if he's injury-free, like we said, he's um, he could be a potentially great option. Um, front row especially is a really tricky spot with um, the two big guns at the top for feeder and Ryan James are just so expensive. Um, and then all the guys in the ladder has got a few question marks for different reasons. We mentioned James Tame might be a good option. Nathan Brown might be a good option. Um, David Clemmer, a lot of people are jumping on. If he goes back to the 13 role, he could have uh, increased minutes this year. And it's a similar story with Josh McGuire, who does start quite expensive though at 457k. Yeah, Jesse Bromwich is someone I've always kept in you know, my side pretty much consistently the last two seasons. But at this stage, I'm sort of trying to save a bit of cash in my front row, especially when there's, there's so I mean, I'm spending big at, in my hookers at this stage. But uh, look, Bromwich, again, is sort of a pick and stick. He hardly misses a game and, and is always big for the storm up front. Brock Gray, an interesting one. I think it could be a similar situation to what we were talking about before with Cameron King. Sort of a cheap guy. I don't think he's sort of even in the mix for a, a Roosters trial spot at the moment. So I'd be a, a bit cautious there picking him up at this stage and uh, Jared Wallace and Josh Maguire though also available in the back row uh, right now if you go fantasy.nrl.com you can pick them in your back row as well as the front row. Yeah the dual position status for some of those guys who are moving from front row to uh, to the lock position makes them very appealing. Jared Wallace a lot of people are jumping on. Um, Brock Gray's a weird one I don't know if the punters know something that we're not quite across at this point but I'm not anticipating him getting uh, bulk minutes early on in the season. Um, Jesse Bromwich you mentioned uh, he's appealing for also the reason he doesn't play Origin look at some of the big guns up there like Yifafita potentially Ryan James you know James Tamo these sort of guys can go missing a bit during the Origin period but someone like a um, you know Sam Burgess Jesse Bromwich James Graham these guys they're only going to miss the, their two bye weeks at their club hopefully and, uh, and be set for the rest of the year so no rep round uh, rep season issues to worry about I guess looking at the, the most popular players, a lot of these guys are dual position players and it's quite handy if you can get a Josh Maguire in the front row and the World Club Challenge, the Broncos are over there at the moment, uh, he might be one to look out for, especially if the Broncos name him at lock, which that could happen. Yeah, a few uh, injuries at the Broncos sort of around the, the back line, but I think the um, the forward pack should be fairly close to, to full strength. We'll get a pretty good idea of what Wayne Bennett's thinking this year. So uh, Josh McGuire's starting at 13 and playing 60-plus minutes and uh, getting through a lot of work, then he's uh, he's definitely a chance of being that sort of underpriced keeper at 457k. It looks like Corbin Sims is going to take his spot in the front row, so McGuire is a lock for the number 13 jersey. Not Jai Arrow, who's a, a bit cheaper. 
Well, we were all sort of hoping he would be in contention there, but it looks like he's probably going to come off the bench at this stage. It's an interesting one at the Broncos, isn't it? You've got Jai Arrow, you've got Jaden Sui, you've got Masesi Pangai, um, all these young sort of mobile back row or front row types coming up. You know, Are we worried that they're going to take some minutes off the uh, off the big boys this year? I know Wayne Bennett sort of likes to ease those guys into first grade, but uh, some potential cash cows there or just a, a big red flag for some of their gun sort of starters? I guess we're all hoping for someone to emerge as the next CP13. Mm. Corey Parker is gone. It's a big hole at the Broncos to fill, but we're hoping that one of these guys steps up, gets his minutes, and then scores the same amount of points that he did, but at a reduced cost. There are so many yeah, of those young guys that are all sort of at the same level, and we don't know right at the moment which one's going to emerge as the, the next big, big thing. So I guess it's just a case of wait and see with the Bronx. Yeah, sadly, it's, it makes it tough to jump on someone before round one because you really need to look at a few rounds before they, uh, you know, before they emerge, and by then sort of the, the horse has bolted a little bit. Let's look at the mid-range guys. You've got guys like Aidan Tolman, Aaron Woods, David Clemmer, Dylan Napper, all in that low $400,000 range. Which one of those guys is the most appealing to you? Start with you, Adrian. Yeah, as CK sort of alluded to before, uh, Clem, if he's, it looks like he's going to play lock again, you know, he could be one to kick on. Um, Woods has always been sort of solid, and he's, you know, the the front row or the leader for the Tigers there, uh, always pumps out big scores, has the occasional uh, game where he goes sort of a bit missing fantasy-wise, which is of, of concern. Uh, and Napa, we know he can go big. Remember that game against Souths last mm. year where 80 minutes absolutely blitzed it. Um, not as consistent as a few of the other guys, but on his day, huge. Yeah, it's the exception rather than the rule for Dylan Napa. And guys like Tolman and Woods, I can't really see them being much better or worse than they were last year. So if you're buying them, you're buying them, expecting them to hold value and produce their similar sort of mid-40s averages. Um, if I'm going to jump on someone, we, it's mostly the guys we've mentioned, but, you know, Tamo, Maguire, Jared Wallace, I really like at number 13. Um, Paul Vaughan, potentially, if he gets more minutes at the Dragons, it's the guys who are potentially going to get more minutes or, or increase their output and, and make you money on what their, their starting price is as well as getting keeper-type scores that I'd be interested in. Let me throw a smoke at you. Matt Scott, there's a lot of talk about him at the moment. Contract year for Matt Scott. It's going to be his big final contract. There's a lot of speculation about where he's going to go. They've lost Tamo to the Panthers, who we talked about at the top of the show. He's a superstar prop, one of the best in the game. At $345,000, his average is usually only around that 35 mark, but this could be a big year for Matt Scott. I remember he scored 100 against Manly. Could he be in for a massive year? Well, he could be. Uh, but for me, it's more the the other guys at the Cowboys who are emerging in that front row. We've got uh, Asiata, sorry, Asiata, Sam Hoare, um, guys like Kafusi, guys like that that are all in the mix. And, uh, you know, Scott, he's going to really need to step up this year, though. So... You never know. Mm, yeah, the departures of Hannon and Tamo does open up a, a spot for just someone to take those those starting roles and those points. Um, Scott Bolton potentially um, a little bit of upside there if he starts and gets more minutes. But yeah, Matt Scott's the one I'm interested in. Like you mentioned, he can bang out 100 on his good days. Um, only priced at about a 36 average. I think he can definitely improve on that in what should be, like you said, a contract year. Let's go straight into the second rowers. These guys are the guns that score you all the big points other than hookers. It's potentially where you can get most points out of fantasy. Let's talk about the the five most picked players in fantasy and we'll go from there. Sam Burgess is the superstar, but he is the most expensive at $523,000. Then you've got Jai Arrow, Joe Stimson, Brock Gray and Sione Mataudia, who is in the second rowers now. 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. Sione, um, I think we saw make a, a pretty successful transition into the back row last year. But just you look at Jamie Bureau coming to the club, the emergence of uh, Mitchell Barnett, who's going to be starting the recruitment of Anthony Tupo, who's probably going to play middle, but potentially, you know, his, his history is in the back row. Um, quite a few back rowers up there at Newcastle at the moment. I don't know if Sione's going to have the opportunity to improve too much on what he was doing last year. It's, it's such a key position. Like you mentioned before, we've seen Corey Parker retire. Paul Gallon, I think people will be steering clear of this year, just in the, the last year of his career and a few injury concerns. Um, Sam Burgess, along with guys like Trent Merrin, are those real superstars. So I think you, you have to have one or two of those. It's, it's Sam Burgess, Trent Merrin, Jack DeBellin type players in your, uh, in your starting side. Yeah, I guess the appeal of Matadia is he is dual position, and if you do pick him up in the centres, he, he could be one of the better scoring centres that season, this season, sorry. Uh, talking about the Knights, uh, we just saw their trial team before, Barnett starting at lock. Uh, he'll just tackle the house down there in the middle, uh, and also Bureau should be uh, you know excellent as he was on towards the back end of last season, so there's probably other more appealing options if you do want to include a, a Newcastle player on your side. I mean, Jamie Bureau, $473,000, got a bit of a point to prove. At Manly, he was a around the 50-point mark average. And at Newcastle, he'll be leading that young side. He's taking a lot more responsibility. You think that Jamie Buren might be one one player from the Knights to pick up? Yeah, he does certainly look a little bit undervalued at this stage. Uh, he was scoring a lot of his points through attacking stats. So whether he can uh, you know, incorporate that into his game at the Knights, maybe his uh, defensive workload might make up for that a little bit. But he looks slightly undervalued, but there's probably more appealing uh, alternatives elsewhere. He did have a red-hot finish to the season, running off Daly Cherry Evans in the middle of the field there for, for Manly and getting some huge attacking stats in, in a few games. Um, for a guy who's not that big, his work rate, though, is just incredible in the middle. And if he can find a way to get those attacking stats, I think with his sort of leadership duties that he's going to have to have at the uh, at the Knights this year, um, you can't really see him spending too much time on the bench, so definitely one to watch. Talking about the old guard, we've got Paul Gallen, Simon Mannering. They've been superstars for a long time. They've been locked them in early in the season for so many years for fantasy coaches. Are they too expensive now? Are they going to get less minutes? Paul Gallen's not playing Origin now, which is a plus, but how's he going to go after winning the comp last year? Can we still rely on Gal? Yeah, as CK sort of mentioned before, I'd, I'd be a bit wary of looking at Gal. Very expensive, and I think they might manage his minutes a bit more this season. So uh, tread with caution. Yeah, I generally talk about upside with players, players who can outperform what their current sort of stats or, or price line suggests. With those guys, I only really see downside. I don't see any possible way that Gallon or Mannering are going to be better than they were last year, but I can quite easily foresee them dropping, you know, five points a game off their average as they sort of come towards the end of their careers. So for me, that's a, a big avoid. A couple of notable players to mention. Bryce Cartwright is a dual position player, played a lot in the halves last year, but T. Marie Martin, I was talking to one of our journos earlier today, and he said that he's almost a lock for the half position, even though he himself doesn't want to confirm it, which would move Bryce into the back row. Offload machine, saw a bit of that in the All-Stars. 51-point average, that might get bumped up if he plays in the back row. Yeah, Tamari almost certain to start in the uh, the halves, you would think, this year. Bryce Cartwright, I think, has said a few times that his, uh, his time in the halves is over for now. It's a bit hard to get a read on him at the moment because he did spend so much time at 5'8 last year. How's he going to go when he's moved back to the back row, in particular if he's tied to an edge? Um, you look at their back row as well. We talked about their forward pack before, and there's just so many players. Your Merrins, you know, Tyrone Peachy, if he ends up in the back row as well with the, uh, the centres back on the park... A lot of players vying for those spots. I'm just a bit worried about Bryce Cartwright's minutes because obviously he was guaranteed 80 
playing in the halves, but back row he's not guaranteed 80. And I can again, I can see a bit of downside to Cardi. The potential is there for a points increase in terms of a bigger defensive workload and you know still incorporating those attacking stats. But yeah, like CK said, though I can't see where those you know. I don't think he's guaranteed 80 minutes. I don't think we should be investing that heavily into Cartwright at this stage. And will his defence cut into his attack if he's forced to make more tackles? Is that willing to dull his attacking stats? That's a great point. Look, you know, it's valid. We we don't know what's going to happen there with the Panthers. There's so many unknowns. Yeah, with two halves on the park, he won't be the attacking focus. He'll be sort of a guy who chimes in. And I think we've seen with his defence, it has got better, but he's also capable of missing a few tackles. And we know with the scoring system in fantasy, three missed tackles a game, that's six points off your total. That cuts into your average pretty hard if you, uh, if you start to rack up those misses. Anyone else we want to talk about? Jason Tamalolo averages around 50. He's a decent option. Won the Daly M last year with Cooper Cronk. Uh, should be in for probably more minutes and more impact now that they've lost Tamo. Yeah, he talked at the end of last year about trying to find an offload for his game. And uh, like you said, if he gets some more minutes, then he's uh, he's got a little bit of upside there. Um, a couple of guys who were good last year who are probably going to be good again this year in Torhu Harris and Jake Trevojevic. Um, I can't really see them dropping off too badly. And obviously Jake is uh, he's still fairly young, so coming into that time of his career when he's going to be a really serious sort of representative player. Um, origin concerns in the middle of the year, but uh, potentially, uh, especially with Jamie Bure having gone some, uh, some big work rate early rounds for, for Jake Trevojevic. Someone I wanted to touch on, Bodine Thompson has been a feature of my side. Not named in the trials. That's right. We don't know what is going on with Thompson at the moment. Hasn't been seen sort of in pre-season, so whether he's recovering from an injury, not sure. We'll, we'll do some digging. We'll find out. Mm. But uh, he's been a great point of difference over the years. and uh, He's not cheap now, though. $516,000. You're paying top dollar. He averaged 54, though, last year. Certainly worth it, but I'm just concerned that he's MIA at this stage. Mm, yeah, he was a real point of difference player, and a lot of guys were on him last year, but he was uh, he was churning out some big numbers. Like you say, I think he might be carrying an injury that we're not aware of, uh, hence his reduced involvement in the preseason. And I guess the one guy we haven't talked about, we haven't talked about Canberra a lot. Elliot Whitehead had a, a boom year last year. He's 492,000, but playing on an edge with those centres that they've got at Canberra, he comes in, plays 5'8 occasionally. He's a bit of a ball player. He was very consistent last year. He was. Um, again, I don't sort of see any movement in Whitehead this year. I think he'll sort of hover around that price and, and still be a consistent scorer, but not a lot of upside there. Mm, yeah, I don't really see much upside to Elliot either. Like you mentioned, he sort of requires a few attacking stats to maintain that average. Um, a guy who I think might be the most expensive second rower yeah, in the whole game is Jack Tabell, and we haven't really talked about. Uh, are we liking him with sort of Tarek Sims and Tyson Frizzell and Paul Vaughan around? At this stage, I've got him in my side. Uh, essentially because I loved his work last year. I'm sticking solid with DeBell, and I think he'll do a good job there again. I am concerned about how expensive he is, and I do think he will lose a bit of money, which is why he may come out of my side before round one. We'll see. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, uh, I really want him, but I think I might just hope he uh, drops a bit of value before I jump on him. Well, that about just wraps us up for this week. Next week, we'll talk about the other positions remaining. Obviously, the trials are coming up. We've got the World Club Challenge to look forward to. Boys, anything else you want to raise? Yeah, we haven't really gone over too many cheapies today, but that's definitely one for another podcast a bit closer to the season starting. Um, a lot of the coaches have uh, indicated they're naming a full-strength trial team this weekend, so that'll give us a really good indication about what they're thinking and how the teams are going to play, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how some of those games pan out. Absolutely. Much like CK, the trial's a great opportunity to continue our uh, study as we ramp up for round one. It's an exciting time of the year. 
fantasy is nearly back. It's Christmas time for fantasy coaches. You can get all the latest news at nrl.com. You can get involved at fantasy.nrl.com. You can follow us at Andrew Bryan321, at CKennedy80, and at Adrian McMurray on Twitter. Look forward to the weekend's footy. We'll see you back here for episode two. For your chance at $350,000 in cash and prizes, head to fantasy.nrl.com and register your team today. You've been listening to the NRL.com Fantasy Podcast.